Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful event portrayed before us in the scriptures this day. Two pregnant women, cousins, coming together. Pregnancy being an image of enduring discomfort, pain, sleeplessness, all for the sake of the joy that is yet to come. In these two women, we see two types of the Old and New Testaments joining together. Indeed, we see, in fact, a kind of cosmic chiasm, a chiasm being an X-shaped structure where the outsides will lead you to the inside, named, by the way, after the chi, the Greek letter X, turned on its side, the cross. But if we start at the ends, we would see Adam, and from Adam, comes the woman, his bride. On the other end, we would see Christ and his bride given to him. If we trace these all the way to their centers, we will see these two pregnant women. At the very heart of the world, the very heart of history, the very heart of the scriptures, these two pregnant ladies. We are told that it is at the mere greeting of Mary that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and John the Baptist, her baby in the womb, leaps for joy. Perhaps it is the case that Mary said, Shalom, or peace be with you. Those words having all the more weight since the Prince of Peace was in her womb. Perhaps she simply said, the Lord be with you, as was common for the time. But those words also carrying all the more weight because the Lord was indeed with her in the very womb of Mary. But perhaps even more subtly, Luke doesn't give us any specific language, but the mere sound of her voice, at the mere sound of the voice of the New Testament, the Old Testament is fulfilled and filled with the Holy Spirit and rejoices in the womb. I like to use a little poetic license, especially with the kids. If you picture these two women, these two cousins coming together, both miraculously pregnant, as they embrace one another, their two bellies are smushed up against each other, and inside one is John the Baptist, and inside the other is Jesus. And John is going wild with joy. Can infants believe? Yes, apparently even infants in the womb. Our Lord Jesus says that it would be better for a man who would take one of these little ones who believe in me and scandalize him cause him to fall away from me. It would be better if a millstone were tied around his neck. But did you catch what he said? 
one of these little ones, these micron who believe in me. And we see that embodied in John the Baptist. Not only do we see a convergence of the Old and New Testament, but we see the old giving way to the new. We see the barrenness of Elizabeth giving way to the virginity of Mary, and both of these giving way to the fertility that comes. We see the agedness of Elizabeth giving way to the youth of Mary. We see the waiting giving way to the arrival. If you trace Elizabeth's name back into the Old Testament scriptures, you'll find that a woman by the name of Elizabeth was married to the very first of the priests, Aaron. And this Elizabeth of the New Testament is married to Zechariah, who is also a priest. In other words, it's as if the entire Old Testament priesthood is pointing us to John in her womb, and John is soon to point us to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who will be slain to take away the sins of the world. If you do a similar exercise with Mary, you trace her name back, Miriam, you'll find that she is the sister of Moses, the great prophet of whom we heard in the Old Testament scriptures. And the husband to whom Mary is betrothed is Joseph in the line of Christ. Here it's as if all of the prophets and the kings direct our attention to Jesus. So that in the interconnections between the names of these two women, we see that the Christ to be born is truly prophet, priest, and king. Blessed are you, says Elizabeth to Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. These words take us all the way back to the very first gospel promise that God makes. He says to the serpent, after he has led Adam and Eve into sin, that the seed of the woman, the fruit of her womb, if you will, will crush your head. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head and bring to an end all that you have done. This blessed fruit of Mary has come. And it is indeed he who will crush the serpent's head. The book of Hebrews describes Satan as the one who has the power of death. We can picture Satan loosing death with all its unstoppable rage. And as it comes for Christ, seeking to swallow him up, in swallowing up the man, it simply discovers the divine. That this fruit of Mary's womb is indeed true man, but also true God. And in swallowing up the man, death finds that it's only grasped hold of the heel of God. And God drives that heel down to destroy death forever. 
Elizabeth also says that Mary is the mother of her Lord. She asks, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, saying that the little baby in Mary's womb is in fact her Lord. Mary's son, but Mary's Lord. Augustine liked to talk of these two births of Christ. One outside of time, wherein Christ is birthed or begotten by the Father and without a mother. And then here on earth, he is birthed by a mother without a father. These two forming a mysterious and beautiful symmetry of heaven and earth being joined into one in the person of Christ. True God, true man, our Lord, who comes to purchase and redeem us poor, miserable sinners, not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. After recounting once more what happened in her womb to her baby leaping for joy, then Elizabeth says these words, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. We are all called to the same faith as Mary, to believe the promises of God. Indeed, Luther goes so far as to say that Mary, in her faith, is the mother of all the faithful. He argues that if you won't have Mary as your mother, then you won't have Jesus as your brother. So Mary becomes icon of our faith to believe and thus to have our souls magnify the Lord also. As Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, may our prayer at the end of this Advent season be the same, that God would pour out his Holy Spirit upon us through his word, that we might confess the very things that Elizabeth confesses, that the fruit of her womb is blessed indeed, the fruit of her womb is our Lord. Let us be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we will see that all things are being made new, that the Old Testament has given way to the new, just as the old and fallen world is giving way to the new world that Christ has come to create. Indeed, this reality takes place in each and every one of us. As the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts, the barrenness of our sins is replaced with the fertility and fruitfulness of God. As the agedness of this world catches up with us, runs us down, 
we remember that though the outward man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day. And while indeed we are still waiting, waiting is giving, is giving way already to what has come, what continues to come, and what will come definitively with the return of our Savior Jesus. Let us be filled with the Holy Spirit that we might ask Elizabeth's question with a slight modification. She says and asks, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Indeed, we may ask, Why is this granted to us that the Lord himself should come to us? Because indeed, that is what's taking place. In the service of the sacrament, our Lord Jesus comes to each and every one of us and gives himself to us freely for the forgiveness of our sins. To erase all that which is in the past and to set before us nothing but blessed hope and joy that are found in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.